Baseball 365 Podcast. And here are your hosts, Justin Hughes and Andrew McQuiston. Andrew, it is a good day. It's a really good day. You know why? Why is it a good day? Well, two years ago, we decided to disconnect DirecTV and switch to Mediacom Cable. And in doing so, we cut our bill down a lot, and that's all great and all, but I lost the MLB Network when we made this change. So I've gone the last two years without the MLB Network, and my wife just talked me into looking into YouTube TV, and I found out that they have the MLB Network, and that sold me. So I've got the MLB Network again. Nice. Starting today? Yeah, I've, I went and downloaded a free trial, which, you know, you don't need equipment. You just stream everything. And I looked at the channels, and I saw all the ESPN channels, Fox Sports channels I use. Everything I use is there outside. The only channel that's not there is the NFL Network, which it's all right. I'm gaining the MLB Network, so I'm looking at that as a net gain. Yeah, that's a win. Yeah, that's so. Definitely a win. I get to listen to Chris Rose and... Uh, oh, shoot. What's his name? Kevin Millar. Kevin Millar. Talk about intentional talk again and act like a bunch of goofballs. And I'm looking forward to it, man. It's, my TV is yeah. just going to have that on all day now. Yeah, you know you've watched it too much when you start hearing them repeat everything. That's when it's just replaying the same thing. Yep. Happens to, happens to me all the time. <laughs> yep. I've been there. All that's right. Well, awesome. that's awesome, though. We're going to talk pitchers today, and before I get started, I want to mention what I've mentioned every episode lately. We are on iTunes, and if you could leave us a review on there, we'll add your name onto a drawing to send a free Baseball 365 t-shirt out. So if you go write us a review, we'll get you on the list. And now we're going to talk talk starting pitchers. You ready to do this, Andrew? I'm ready to do it. All right, so... Let's start off with just a strategy question in terms of pitching and where are you landing and what's your typical strategy for a redraft league with pitching this year, Andrew? Um, I like to get a top end guy, uh, if not a couple. I, it, it doesn't always happen because it just depends. It kind of depends a little on, I feel like, where you're at in the draft and who's there. But, uh, but yeah, I'm all about get, trying to get an ace. And if you don't get a guy that you're comfortable with as an ace, getting two, like ones that you feel really good about. In some instances, you know, like if you pick at the top and take Trout, I saw a guy in one of my drafts, he took Trout, and then he on the 2-3 wheel, he took Cole and Bueller. And I just loved it. I was like, this is just, that's just a phenomenal start. And because I specifically like those two, and we'll get into that here as we go down the list. But, but yeah, that's, if, I feel like if you pick there early, it's good to do, you know, just get a, you can get a couple aces if you want. But um, it kind of does depend on where you're at in the draft. And the back part, I feel like it's hard to take two because then you're waiting until round three to get your first hitter, which, at the end of round three, which that's not really for me, but uh, getting one there, that's good too. So, yeah, I've 
mostly drafted on the each end of the wheel. And I found myself taking a pitcher, trying to get at least one ace there on, like if I'm on the front half, I've looked, I've done that strategy where you take two aces after taking the big bopper at the top of the draft, getting two aces there in the middle or in the, with the picks two and three. And then whenever I did my draft and hold, I took sale at the end of the first and going there at the end of the third. In one draft, I think I took Noah Syndergaard and another, I took Severino. I'm just, I really liking the idea of getting the multiple aces this year because a couple, the past couple years, the teams I've really seen do well in pitching. I've noticed that they've got two big horse aces. And then after that, they've got patchwork and a staff at that point. And they might find a guy late that hits or a couple of them, but I think the multiple horses I've, I've seen people have really good success with that lately to where, this year, I really have looked towards doing that and getting a lot of bats in the middle rounds, like I've said in previous podcasts. Yeah, pe- people can say what they want about taking pitchers early, and I understand, and I wouldn't do it necessarily in a dynasty league, but in redraft leagues, there's a reason these pitchers go high in the NFBC. They're really valuable. The top-end pitchers are really valuable. And I feel like any time I've ever looked at an overall winner's team or a league winner's team, they have ace pitchers, like one or two, and then maybe one that they hit on. Obviously, you know, you got to have a little bit of luck to go with that, too. But you're not really going to survive if you don't have good pitching. It just isn't going to happen. We all want the bats, you know, but at the end of the day to complete your roster, you you have to have the pitching too. I agree. And we'll get started right off here with Max Scherzer, who's going at fifth overall in the draft rankings. And I'm going to start right off with this question. He, is he clearly the number one in your rankings? Yes. Yeah. Clear. Number one. I agree. In redraft leagues, of course. Yeah. Yes. So let's go move to this then. If your rankings went chalk in terms of the way you have ranking your redraft rankings going, where is Max Scherzer going for you? Uh, I think I would probably take him around like pick seven, pick eight, somewhere in there. I would take Trout Betts, Jose Ramirez, Acuna, not necessarily in this order. I'm just kind of naming off. Uh, J.D. Martinez, I think. <sighs> Probably Trey, but I don't know. I think you could even argue those guys. If somebody wanted to take Trey or uh, Scherzer at like five, I wouldn't even argue it. But anywhere in that five to 10 or 12 range, I will say this. There was, there was at least one NFBC draft where Scherzer went one overall. So that's his min pick. One to 12 is his range. He's fine anywhere in there, though. I definitely like him. I, I take, I've taken him in uh, two redrafts. I think I mentioned on the podcast the other night. And I want to say where I took him, it was around nine or 10. And I, I felt solid. good. About it. Yeah, I felt good about it because I, I know that on the backswing, I'm going to get a stud hitter that I like. And a lot of those hitters at that spot are the same. I know 
we kind of mentioned this before when we were talking about Judge because those are the guys that I got. But, yeah, I, I like Scherzer. One of these years he is going to fall off, but there's literally no reason to f- think it's going to be this year other than just his age. But every number that has to do with his pitching doesn't reflect any sign of that. So you just kind of have to go with it for now, I feel like. I agree. And I'll take it a step further for me. I think I would take him fourth or fifth overall. I think, well, let's see, one, two. Yeah, I I guess I'm not taking it a step further. I was about to say four, but I forgot about Jose Ramirez. So, yeah, Trout, Betts, Jose Ramirez, Acuna, and then I think I'm locked into taking him anywhere after four. Yeah, yeah, it's totally fair. I, I have no issues with it at all. All right, well, let's go with Dynasty discussion specifically because he's a tricky one given his age. He is right now 34 years old, which, again, like you said, he's showing no signs of slipping. Actually, his war last year was a career high at 7.2. There's nothing in here that shows he's getting worse. If anything, he's getting better. But – He's also 34. Where, what do you think about him in terms of dynasty value? Man, it's, it's so hard because he's such an extreme in the sense that on one end, he's so good and so dominant and in the moment is the best pitcher in the league. And the other end, he turns 35 this season. And let's be honest, he's a pitcher. Like they don't last forever. They break, you know, and, and he hasn't, and it, it makes it really difficult. Um, there's two dynasty guys that I highly respect their opinion. Just to give you a rough estimation. One of them has him 27, I believe it was. And one of them has him 72 in their dynasty rankings. I would probably fall somewhere in between there. If it was a startup, I probably wouldn't get him because I'm just the type, like I mentioned with JD, I'm just, I'm just going to fade the older pitcher, especially the arm. But that said, if I'm in my contention window and I need Max to push me over the top, you better believe I'll, I'll give up what it takes for him. I mean, I, I have no reservations there. It's just starting a team off. I don't know. It, it's really tough when you compare him against other guys in anywhere in that range, you know. And if you said you had him higher than twenty-seven, I don't even know if I would argue with it. If you said you had him at sixty, seventy, I don't think I would argue with that either. It's a wide range. I feel like. What do you, What do you think? Because it, you can say almost any answer here that within you know within reason. And I know you're not going to say you're taking him four overall in a dynasty league, so. But you could say any answer here within reason, and I'm not going to argue with it, I feel like. Yeah, and I'm like you. I fade the veterans who whose window is a lot smaller also. In the startup dynasty that I was a part of a month ago, I think he went right there near the end of the third round. So round 40, 45, I think. And I thought it was a great pick. And I think that's about the point where I think he should go is in that range. 40 to 45, 70 seems really low, but 27 also seems a little high to me. 
but I lean closer to that 27. But even in Roto Masters 2, two years ago, he was there for me at pick 30 and 31 when I took Trout, and I should have taken him, but I didn't want to. I was just scared to take the guy. It was a mistake. I should have, because I've as we discussed on a previous podcast, if you draft Trout, you play to win now, and having Trout and Scherzer would have been pretty great for the last two years. But now he's two years older, and you just never know when the arm's going to fall off. And it, the time's got to be getting close at this point. At this stage of the game, we're not we're not in the PED era where it seems like pitchers are pitching into their 40s real easy. Yeah, it's not even really that I think that the time is close where his arm's going to fall off. It's just there's so many other enticing options that are young at that stage where you're considering taking him including really really good young pitchers if you if you want to go the pitcher route in rotomasters 3 i just looked he went 52 overall it was the middle of round 3 and i remember when he went thinking it was a pretty good pick i mean it it felt like it that he was slipping a little but at the same time, I was at 44, and I didn't take him. So it's something to do with strategy and team construction and stuff like that. But I will just say that if I'm in my contention window and I'm, I have a chance to win the league right now, you know, like not necessarily in a startup, but in a league that has been around for a few years, I have no problem paying up for Max. I really don't. You don't want to maybe go overboard, but if that's the piece that gets you the gets you the title, I mean it it's worth it for sure because he is unbelievable. But I think you hit it on the head there. You better be contending, or if you're drafting a, in a startup dynasty and you take Max, you'd better be playing. You you got to go all in at that point, and you got to go yeah. veterans to win now because. The hard part with Max is he's not an easy person to trade in a dynasty league because the teams with young, the young teams, they're not going to want to trade for him. So you've only got a couple, a small window of teams that would be interested and you still, it's going to be hard to get full value out of a guy like that. Well, I'll say this though, in season, I think it's easy. Because, yeah, it's easy right now for people to just sit there and say the guy's older or whatever. Wait till he has eight innings and 14 strikeouts. It'll be real easy to trade him. I mean, it's not it's not people in that moment. They're going to pay up and you just got to find, you know, you just got to find the right owner. But it's definitely something that it, it becomes clear and obvious, I guess, who those people are that are going to want him. You know, it's. One of those things. So, yep. And one other thing I will say is if you are in a dynasty league and you can't win the title like this season, like if your team just isn't at that level and you have made a realistic expectation for where you're going to finish in the standings and you own Max Scherzer, you need to trade him immediately. Mm-hmm. Like there's no. Do not sit on that guy if you can't win right now. It, ma- it just makes absolutely no sense. Because what has a chance of happening is by the time you're ready to win, 
he's broken or done or declining or, you know, there's so many things. He's, his value isn't going up at this point. So just keep that in mind. It's, I've seen it where the max owner won't trade him and it's not good. If you can't win the league, it just, it makes no sense. No, I agree. All right, we'll move on to number two. That's Jacob DeGrom. He's going at pick number 11, which is right there in the first round. Last year was amazing for DeGrom. He had a 1.7 ERA and 269 strikeouts and 32 starts. A nice rebound after having that real frustrating season, some health issues there a couple years ago. Somehow he only won 10 games because the Mets were terrible last year. You're definitely buying high to get DeGrom at this price, aren't you, Andrew? Well, yeah. I mean, it's coming off of his best season ever. I mean, so, yeah, in a way you are. It's a little high for me. I'm not quite as comfortable with DeGrom here as I I think most people are. That said, he was phenomenal last year. The 10 wins, just throw them out the window. It's unlikely to happen again. It really means nothing. So don't worry about that. Don't overrate it. But, yeah, he's he's phenomenal. In the past, I've liked DeGrom. He's been on kind of the back end of the ace tier, and now he's on the front end of the ace tier. And he's only been on this end of it. This is the first time. This is the first year. And I, I think that's just what makes me slightly skittish and probably likely to just wait a few pitchers down and, take somebody closer to the back end of the ace tier that I like pretty close to as much. I mean, he's fine. I don't, I don't ever think like, Oh, it's a bad pick when somebody takes DeGrom here, but I would rather have the next guy personally. Yeah, me too. And that next guy is Chris sale. Who's going right there on the wheel at the end of the first round at pick 15. He was limited to 27 starts in the second half as he was showing diminished velocity, something was up with his shoulder. But Sale did say in January that his shoulder feels healthy again and he's throwing easy. On a scale of 1 to 10, how nervous are you with taking Sale as your first pick or maybe the top of the second round? 10 being like the most nervous? Yes. 1. Wow. Or 2. Like, I'm, I'm not worried about him at all. I don't own him anywhere, I don't think, off the top of my head. But yeah, I'm not worried about him at all. It's so it's so crazy, like with this guy. It's all these guys, it's so funny to me with Chris Sale. All these guys nowadays are getting hurt and getting babied and not throwing innings and you know, getting put on the DL when they're not even hurt to manipulate their innings and all sorts of things. And then you've got Chris Sale, who was supposed to be the one that always got hurt, doing it year after year after year after year. I just, I have no reservations with him. I, I guess, you know, there's a chance that he breaks, but there's a chance anyone breaks. And I am just so confident in the production that I'm going to get out of this guy. He does it every single year. He's nasty. He's a major league ace. Like, if you wanted to take him ahead of Scherzer, I wouldn't even really argue with it. I wouldn't quite do that, but I, I wouldn't really. I've seen him go ahead of Scherzer, and I don't really think it's anything crazy. He's got a long track record of being unbelievable. So, if it, yeah, he's fine. 
If it wasn't for the injury down the stretch, I would agree that I wouldn't have any issue with somebody taking him over him over Scherzer just because he's that good. I did get a share of him in the draft and hold league at the end of January. I'm invested in now. I'm more nervous than you, but on the same note, he has as high of upside as anybody in baseball of being like, if he stays healthy and throws 200 innings this year, he's his ceiling is as high as anybody. Yeah. Yeah. He's just done it for so long. And I don't ever get these guys in dynasty leagues, at least in a startup, but he would probably be my number one in a startup. Wait, you're number, saying no, you would have number one starting pitcher. I mean, in a startup dynasty, you would have him as the number one pitcher. Wow. Close, or at least right there. There's a couple other guys that I think are close, but yeah, he, he's the one that pops out to me. I mean, he's six years younger than five years younger than Scherzer, and they're close now. I mean, yeah, you know, but he's basically, he's actually even a little younger than DeGrom. Age isn't everything with pitchers. I know it's mileage and stuff too, but. And you could argue it. There's definitely a couple names here that that you could argue, but he'd probably be my one. Well, next up we have Justin Verlander at 21. He's going in the middle of the second round. And it's incredible to think about Verlander and how five years ago it looked like he may be cooked. And now here he is taking the mound 34 times last year and striking out 290 hitters. With a lot of these guys here at the top of the rankings, it feels like it's it's special because I don't know if in a few years from now, if we're going to see many of these old school horses anymore, because it seems like more and more of these pitchers are coming up and getting babied. And we're just not seeing these gunslingers like Verlander and Sale, DeGrom and Scherzer anymore to where I, I think seeing a guy like Verlander, it's pretty special that he's thrown 200 plus innings. Every season except one since 2007. Yeah, it's comical looking at his innings per season. From 2007, 201, 201, 240, 224, 251, 238, 218, 206. And then he had 133 in 2015. And then right back at it, 227, 206, 214. It's it's unbelievable. That's yeah, it's unbelievable. That's uh that's just something that doesn't happen. And it uh it's happened with him. He's definitely uh a big ace, you know. It's you gotta have a lot of confidence with him as far as the innings go. The track record is clearly there. He is thirty-six, so you wonder because the miles, you know, you're always gonna wonder on older pitchers like this, but again, he hasn't really given a lot of reason lately to doubt him. He did there, you know, a few years back, but he's put that in the rearview mirror for sure. So, yeah, I, I would have him fourth or fifth among starters. So I'm fine with him here. You know, as I really think about it, I'm not sure I wouldn't take him over DeGrom. I feel that good about him. He's shown the track record, and his ceiling's ever bit as high. I really hadn't thought about that till now. Yeah, I had thought about it. I, I think I would take DeGrom. I think I would go in a redraft, Scherzer, Sale, and then it actually drops for me a little bit, but I mm -hmm. probably would have DeGrom third, but he's not as close to Sale for me as he is for most. And then 
I'd take I think I'd take Verlander four. There's a couple yeah. other guys. There's a couple others that are close to me. We'll get to them, but yeah. All right, we'll move on to Corey Kluber. He's at 24. The main thing I have heard about him this offseason was talk about his fastball velocity and it dipping. It got to the lowest point of his career this last year, and he also had an eight-point drop in his swinging strike rate. While there are no warning signs that the slip is really going to start this next year in terms of a lot of everything else looks pretty good, and he still should be, he should, still should be fine, but... Who knows? Maybe this is the beginning of where we're going to start seeing a little bit of a slip. I don't know. What are your thoughts on him? Yeah, I'm. I'm. Uh, I'm not really getting Kluber. There's pitchers below him. I would just take over him. I think I, the fastball velocity, like you said, it's a little bit concerning. Um, getting up there in age, putting the miles on a little bit. He had, he he gave up uh, a lot more contact in the zone last year, and just a lot more contact in general. I don't know. I, I This is just a guy that's easy for me to fade because if I see anything with pitcher that I don't like, I just bump him down or avoid him, you know, because you can in this range, you can just take a hitter if you if you don't want to take Corey Kluber. And I don't want to take Corey Kluber at 24. I, I just don't. No, I'm with you. There are quite a few guys below him. I like I feel a little more comfortable with them. Yeah, I, I feel comfortable with several of these guys below him, actually. So, yeah. Sorry, Corey Kluber. You've been a beast for the last few years, but I think we're both going to try getting out before the slip falls on this guy. Yeah, I mean, he's he's high in these rankings. He's five overall, five among starters. So. Number six is Aaron Nola. He's going at 24 overall, so we're talking like the second round. Pick number 10 is his average. Now, I remember last year he was going in the third, fourth, fifth round. I remember Brian Crump from the Baseball 365. I remember him taking him what I thought was high and sure enough, this guy went out and had an awesome year and beat those at that draft position that he was going at had a 2.387 ERA. His XFIP was significantly higher at 3.21, but that's still a really good pitcher. Now he could be one of the favorites in the NL to win 20 games in terms of with how much they've added offensively. And now you know, wins are something that's hard to predict, but if you're on a team that's scoring a lot of runs, it does raise your chances of winning more games. And I'm not sure there's a better pitcher that I would predict to win 20 games than Nola. Yeah, yeah, Nola's a, Nola's a stud. Um, with guys like this that shoot up to superstardom so quickly that I didn't expect to get there, I'll be honest, I, I didn't think Aaron Nola would be an ace like this. I just didn't think he would be the top 10 pitcher in baseball. I was wrong on that, at least, you know, last year. And I I feel like when they do this, and there's another guy we're about to get to that's very similar in this way, I just feel like I need to see it one more time. And that's just a personal thing. It's I'm not saying it's right. It's just a it's just a personal thing, but um I don't really have an issue with it. It's probably not a guy that I'm getting, but he is really good. He's vaulted his way up here, and he's definitely an ace. Really, when you look at his XFIP and his strikeouts and walks per nine, he was actually the same pitcher as 2017. Take that as a positive or a negative in terms of he's actually had two good years in a row of pitching at uh, ace level, 
he just had a little more luck on it. He's I don't think he's a low two ERA guy. Yeah, his uh, his swinging strike rate's been going up though every year. So that's that's know. pretty that's pretty big. And uh, yeah, like I said, I don't I don't have any issues with him. I I would like to see him do it one more time just so I can be like absolutely he's worth it here. And I'm sure he probably will. I mean, it, it doesn't even like it. It wouldn't shock me at all if he uh, repeated or came close to repeating last season. Maybe not the 2.37 ERA, but it's one of those things. It's like if he has a 3.37 ERA, that's still awesome. So it doesn't, yeah. you know, it doesn't really matter exactly where that falls too much. And the skills are pretty elite. So, speaking of elite skills. Garrett Cole at 26 overall. He sure had a big jump in value after this last year. Goes to the Astros, and all of a sudden, his spin rate starts improving, and he goes out and has a fantastic season. His war last year was 6.3. He had a 6.3 wins above replacement. 32 starts, he had a 200 innings pitched exactly, and he had 276 strikeouts. Just incredible what he did with getting under the tutelage of those coaches there in Houston. Yeah, I uh, definitely don't have an issue with Cole here. I would actually take him ahead of Nola and ahead of Kluber. Uh, I trust him. He's on a great team. Swinging strike rate over 14%, seventh in baseball. He's great. And and the thing with Garrett Cole is it, it took a little bit of time like for – him to really get to that ace level, but I always kind of thought he was going to get there. It's a little different. Like I was saying with Nola, I I wasn't really sure if Nola was an ace like a couple years ago. I always kind of thought Garrett Cole was, but he just wasn't doing it yet, you know? And yeah, he's, I'm, I'm all about Garrett Cole. I'd have him probably right there with Verlander and there's one other guy still to come that I would have right with those guys too. So yeah, I, I like Cole for sure. Yeah. I think I would have him about five on my rankings too. So we both like him more than the NFBC number eight. We got Blake Snell. He's going right there at the two, three wheel at pick number 30. I personally always felt like this guy had ace upside. If he could ever get his control down, his walks have been his big bugaboo. The last few years, it seemed like he just couldn't ever keep himself consistently throwing strikes. And I remember it was 2017. He was sent down to the minors and he in those 45 innings in the minors, he had like 15 walks. I was getting real excited. I was like, OK, he's putting it together. Then he came up and again, struggled at the end of 2017. But it changed last year in 2018. He dropped his walks per nine all the way from where he was at five in 2016 and four per nine in 2017, and it was all the way down to just 3.19 in 2018, resulting in an 11 strikeouts per nine, 21 wins, and an AL Cy Young award. And Andrew, I know you, kind of like you just said with Nola, you're skeptical of guys who take that big leap, and I've heard you mention skepticism about him before. Uh, Yeah, Uh, great season. Can't take anything away from it. He was phenomenal. Couple things. Second lowest BABIP in the league, which is a lot of luck. Number one highest strand rate in the league, which is a lot of luck. And 
he was 12th in walk percentage, like the high, highest walk percentage among qualified starters, about 60 of them in there roughly. So the walks, while they got better, um, still could use some work. And yeah, there's just there's just guys below him that I would uh, that I would rather take. I expect him to drop off some. That said, he's still a really good pitcher. I just think he's a little higher than I would take him. That's that's all. Uh, last he year, I, I feel like with guys like Nola and Snell, last year was the time to buy in, not this year, because now you're getting into the upper echelon where. There's no room for them to backpedal. They have to keep going full steam ahead. And he may be able to do it, but there's just a few things I see here that have me a little skittish. And it's just, like I said, when I see it like that, I'm just like, no, thanks. I'm good. You can you can have him at pick 30 overall. Yeah, he's not somebody, whenever I've had that trout spot or one of those top picks in the first round, He's not really been somebody I've targeted right here, but I also don't have a huge problem with it. I think I'm higher on him than you are. I do get the BABIP being low is worrisome. But watching him a lot last year, I just feel like this is a guy who doesn't also give up a lot of hard contact. And I haven't looked to see what that was against him. Actually, it doesn't look too abnormal when I look at it. So I, I will maybe, say he, may- he, jumped his, uh, he jumped his swinging strike rate way up. I'll give him that. So that is mm-hmm. good. That that's definitely good because he has nasty stuff. It's just keeping the ball in the zone and locating. And I'm not surprised his swinging strike rate took a big jump up because his problem before was he'd fall behind, be down three, one and just have to serve a cookie up. And, you know, major league hitters, no matter how good of a pitcher you are, if you have to throw a cookie, you down over the middle of the plate, they're going to crush it. All right. Number nine, Trevor Bauer, Mr. Wigglestick. Going at 33 overall, the third pick in the third round. And, Andrew, I remember a year ago, this was your breakout pitcher. You were tapping him big going into drafts. And he did you well in those leagues because he got a fantastic year last year. 2.2 ERA, walks at a career low 2.9 per nine. Strikeouts were all the way up to 11 per nine. He pitched like an ace all year until some injuries ended his season too soon. Now the price is up and he's a third round pick. Are you going to be willing to pay the premium on this guy? Yeah, I have, uh, I have no real issue with it. I think he's about in the right spot right here. Uh, I haven't gotten him in any drafts this year, but yeah, it's fine. He broke through kind of like I expected and it just seemed like everything was pointing that direction. He always had the pedigree, so that's that part of it. I always I, I like when these pitchers that have a lot of pedigree come up, and if they don't get it going right away, I always feel like they're eventually going to get it going. You know, and Bauer, Cole a little bit, they were kind of like that, but I, I, I'm fine with him here. I, I think it's about the right ninth pitcher off the board. I think that's about right. Hearing you say that makes me think paging all Tyler Glasnow owners do not sell him yet. That was my first thought hearing you say that because Glasnow is very similar in terms of the career path. Yeah, that's, that's a really good point. I mean, would it, would it shock, would it shock you if, and I haven't even been the biggest Glasnow guy, but it wouldn't shock me if he took a huge leap 
like that. I mean, it yeah. def- definitely wouldn't. It's some we'll some guys that some guys it just takes them a little more time than others, you know. And I think it just took Bauer a little more time, but he's definitely found it for sure. And yeah, I'm I'm good. I'm totally good with him here. Tons of K's. Well, somebody I know you won't be good with taking at his ADP right now, and that's Luis Severino at 36. Not really because of performance, or actually I can't speak for you, but now he has a shoulder injury. He's been shut down for the next couple weeks from throwing, and it sounds like he won't be back until late April if everything goes right now at this point. So obviously we're not taking him here at 36, but how far down would you let him slip before you'd start considering him? Man, I was I was looking at this earlier. I I honestly don't even know. I I will admit I haven't looked at the most recent news on him because I don't own him anywhere and I'm not in a position where my drafts are going to be affected like my startup I don't have any new drafts coming up that I drafting him. So, I don't know. I would say it's you've got to drop him pretty significantly, I would think. I in this spot, if you'd asked me a week ago, I'd have been fine with it. I I liked him, but you know, shoulder injury is that's that's nasty stuff. It's it's no good. It definitely has me uh, concerned. I I don't have any shares, so it doesn't like affect me. But I just hate st- seeing stuff like this because he's a stud pitcher. Obviously, when he's right, he's great. Well, and, let me put uh, you on the spot, and let me just throw a couple names at you and see who you go with here. James Paxton or Severino? Mm-hmm. Uh, man. I, Tough, isn't it? Yeah, I think I would take Paxton. Okay. Uh, what about Steven Strasburg? Strasburg. Okay, so we're still moving down here. Uh, Zach Grinke. Yeah, I think I'm taking Grinke. Okay, we're still moving down here. Um, I'm scared to see how far we're going to go. <laughs> I know we haven't but played this are, game yet. But these guys, yeah, this is fun. But these guys are are good pitchers, though. Like I uh-huh. and they're and they're fine right now. I know people are probably like Strasburg and Paxton will be hurt in two weeks, you know. But <laughs> that but was Sever- my thought process. Yeah, yeah. But Severino's hurt now. I mean, with shoulders, it's. I feel like I could wake up tomorrow and he's out for the season. I don't. Yeah. Obviously, you hope that's not the case, but. Madison Bumgarner. I would probably bite the bullet and take Severino. Yeah. 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 I would. Pro- that's probably where I would cut it off. So that means. Yeah. yeah there, somewhere, there, in, somewhere some, in that range. So we're looking around 20 to 25 then, if you're looking at that, as compared to right now, he's at 10. So sounds yeah. like he may be dropping about 10, 15 slots for you. I think I might not go quite as far there, but it's it's not too far off. Yeah, I I think that um, when I hear shoulder, it's the worst. Like that's yeah. the worst. I would rather hear elbow. I I just shoulder to me is is horrible. Not that elbow's good, but yeah, I just don't I just don't like hearing it. And I think he's awesome, but man, it it doesn't matter if you if you can't perform, you know. I have just enough reservations with Bumgarner. I think I'd take Severino, but I, I would know it was a risk, and I would be targeting pitchers that I liked in that. You know, if if I took Severino in a draft right now, I would be backing him up with starting pitchers I felt good about 
for sure. I, I, cause it would, it would make me a little nervous, you know, but unfortunately I have a share. I took him in a league this year. So now I'm hoping he can, I, I just got to sit here and hope cause there's nothing I can do about it. All right. We'll move on to number 11. We got Carlos Carrasco at 37 overall second consecutive season of 30 plus starts. And also the third time he's done that in four seasons. And he's been pretty consistent when he's been on the mound the last few years. For a pitcher, it seems like a pretty safe bet here. Yeah, Carrasco's, uh, he actually it does seem pretty safe. I felt like some of his injuries in the past were just total flukes, like stuff that could happen to anybody. I know he had the one where he was running over to first base and he slipped. And then I think he took a liner off of something I can't remember, but... Just just bad luck stuff that could happen to anyone, you know, and then stuff like that happens and people start thinking they're injury prone. It's like when Stanton got hit in the head and then something else happened and then all of a sudden people are calling Stanton that. And then, you know, last year they play all the games. It's that stuff drives me crazy. But, yeah, uh, he's fine. I mean, he's lots of K's, durable, you know, aside from those fluke things that have happened and yeah he's he's just he's a good pitcher and his prime maybe the later stages of his prime but yeah he's fine i i have no uh no real issue with him i'd probably no, i like I'd probably i probably would actually take the next two guys ahead of him but it, it's debatable I, I wouldn't really argue it either way yeah i can get behind all that and that net with well, the next guy up i'm not surprised to hear you would take over him because it's your boy, Walker Bueller, 39th overall. This guy looks like he is an ace when he's on that mound. He looks incredible in every way, shape, and form. My only fear personally is that he threw 150 innings last year, and he's on a place for the organization that's known more than anybody for manipulating the innings and putting people on the DL to keep their innings down. All pitchers are risks, but Dodgers pitchers pitchers are even harder to project for much more than 150 innings. But again, Walker Bueller has absolute ace upside. The best pitcher on the planet upside. He has it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bueller's my guy. I I would probably take him like six of of all these guys. I would take him Jeez. over most of them. Um, a lot of it. I've done a lot of reading on this guy and a lot of watching of him i own him in dynasty league and he actually was the top starting pitcher off the board in roto masters three which made me smile i wasn't the one that did it but you know that that made me happy i really like him um i've always kind of thought with him even going back year year and a half when he was just coming up and kind of getting the hype that he was going to be a guy and i still feel this way who is going to have an extremely high peak that is going to be short. And a lot of the reason I say that is because he's smaller. Like if you, you know, you look at him, he's, he's not a big pitcher, you know, and I don't know how his durability will be as the years pass and he ages, but right now it's like, he's 24. I feel like this is his prime right now. I know it's like almost feels early to say that because he, kind of has just started to get his feet wet. But I think I, I see Cy Young in his future, at least one. I kind of comp him a little bit to Lincecum in a way. I, I just think he's that type of pitcher. I, I think that his ceiling is the best pitcher in baseball. I, 
I think he's great. And as far as the innings go, my thing is, is I totally understand the, the Dodgers manipulate innings and stuff like that. I've, I've owned Kershaw for years. I own Bueller now, and I've even owned like Ryu, Maeda, Stripling, pretty much all of them. And I get that they push them on and off the DL. The only thing that I will say with this is I don't really believe that they're going to do that with this pitcher. I think that, you know, like this isn't Kenta Maeda. This isn't Hunjin Ryu. This isn't Rich Hill. This isn't Ross Stripling. Like this is their best pitcher or their co-best pitcher. If you know, whatever you think with him and Kershaw, they're, you know, one, a one B whatever, but, and Kershaw has been hurt. So that's the reason that they've been doing it with him. I just don't really see a scenario where it's the middle of the season and they find a made up reason to put Walker Bueller on the DL unless there is legitimately something wrong. This is their best pitcher. And if he's healthy, I I just don't see them faking an injury. The only way that I can see it happening is if, you know, September rolls around and they're 15 games up in the division, then maybe they do it. But I don't quite have the reservations about his innings that other people do. And it's mostly for those reasons. I do agree that I don't think they'll fake an injury. My fear more is on the lines of, I think everybody, every pitcher's got something going on by the middle of the year. Everybody's hurt in some sort of way, but they're just, they're getting through the season. They're tired. And I feel like they could, that's kind of what I think in terms of the Dodgers are just more overly cautious with little stuff and saying, all right, you you could use a good 10, 15 days on the DL, which if that happens, that's still two or three starts we're talking at most if they yeah. do that to them once. Yeah, but what I'm saying is, is the track record of them doing that is all pitchers that aren't as good as Bueller. That's Ex- fair. Except for Kershaw, who has been legitimately injured. Yeah, there's so, never been a time they've put Kershaw on the DL where it seemed like it was not legit. Yeah, and the, and the thing is, is with these guys only having so many bullets, it's like they know what they've got with this guy. I mean, it's a potential ace, Cy Young winner type pitcher, you know, and... I don't know. I, I just don't really think that they're going to hold him back, but you never know. Like I said, they could they could crush the division and and have it you know <laughs> over by early September. So I could maybe see it at the end. And that's the other thing. He threw 150 innings last year, and it's pretty safe to assume the Dodgers will be in the playoffs as much as any team in the NL. And you you know if they want to hold these guys back a little bit. To, have them ready for October. That's the other thing. We'll see. Yeah, yeah like Steam, Steamer has him for 163. I would totally take the over on that. Like, it's not mm. even – God, that's – I mean, yeah, if if he gets hurt in the middle of May and is out for three or four months, then I'm wrong. But, my God, 163 innings for that guy. I, easy over to me. Yeah, and to me, I think it's right. And you might be right. You might be wrong. We'll see. I do think that the 163 is close to being right, but we'll see. And honestly, he could have a serious injury, and that really shouldn't count because that could happen to any pitcher. But it's more of a the little things. Yeah, I guess that's that's just my question. Like, do you do you think he's going to get hurt? Like, what 
Like, how does he get to the 163 if he's not hurt? Or if he's not legitimately hurt? I'm talking, like, where they have to rest him. You know, I, like, where they have to rest him. Not where they, you know, think, you know, if, he, if he's fine every start, if he comes out of the game and he's good, you really think, like, 163 is right? I think they'll find something. It might be something small. But I think they'll say, you know what, you could use a few starts off here. Maybe I'll be wrong. I will admit with this guy... If that is true and, like, they find ways to manipulate it with him, I'll believe that they do it with everyone going forward. <laughs> I will. I swear. Like, because you just don't mess with a 24-year-old arm like this in his prime unless there's so- – obviously, if there's something wrong, you take the precautions and you rest him. But if there isn't, there's no reason. Like, well, this guy just needs to be out there. I mean – he threw 153 innings this last year. I mean, if it was me, I wouldn't. I'd be making sure he maxed at 180, which 180 is still solid. If he gets to 180, I think nobody's complaining. 160 is where I think the complaints happen a little more. All right, we should probably move forward, get this thing moving on. Noah Syndergaard is going at 41, so we're talking the end of the third round. Injuries kept him again from getting a full season in, but these were not typical injuries. He had a finger ligament injury. And hand, foot, and mouth disease, which is something that my daughter got last year. That's something that ch- small children get, not fully grown pitchers who look like Marvel characters. <laughs> when he was healthy, he was incredibly solid. 3.03 ERA. He had nine, pretty much right out of strikeout per inning and 2.2 walks per nine. Yet it seems people are kind of down on him. I love him at this price, personally. Where are you at on Thor? Yep. I'm in. I'm with you. I like him. He's. Uh, I. St- I still feel like his upside in a given year is the best pitcher in the league. Mm-hmm. I mean, it wouldn't shock me one bit. Injury, you know, a little bit of a question mark, I guess. But you could say that with some several of these guys, and I just think he's so good that I'm willing to be in on him as the 13th starting pitcher off the board, probably until further notice. I agree. The upside is still there. He could do, you know, DeGrom was going around this spot the last few years, and then DeGrom exploded last year. Who's to say Syndergaard couldn't go do the same thing this year? I will say this, too, and I think this is an underrated element with fantasy baseball in general. If you just take a step back for a minute and think about this, we're playing a game. Like, is there anything more fun than owning Noah Syndergaard and watching him blow 99 past hitters. Like, I mean, it's some of it I feel like is supposed to be fun. Like, yeah, you want to make the best decisions you can for your team. And, you know, that overrides anything else. But there's a part of it to me, too. Like, when I get to certain points in drafts, and I don't think there's anything wrong with anybody that wants to do this, Sometimes I'll just look at two guys and I just think, which one do I, what, am I going to have more fun owning? If it's like a tie, you know, and I can't decide. And I just pick the one that I want to root for. And man, I, I don't know how you can't love Noah Syndergaard. Like, he is just a monster out there when he's right. It's, God, I, yeah, that, I think that plays into it some and is an underrated part of the game that, I think sometimes we all, including myself, take it too seriously. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's still a game, you know, and it's supposed to be fun. And 
No, Syndergaard's fun. One of my favorite quotes last year came from Jose Altuve last year in spring training. He was, they were facing the Mets. Syndergaard started that game was throwing 100 mile an hour cheese against Altuve and got him in an 0-2 count. And then Syndergaard dropped that changeup that was, I think, in the high 80s or 90 miles an hour, struck him out. Altuve inter- was interviewed after the game, and he said, if, I, if I'm in an 0-2 count with that guy and he throws me that changeup 100 times, I'm striking out 100 out of 100 times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This is Jose Altuve saying yeah, that. That's what I was just going to say for Altuve to say that. That's crazy. Yeah. That's, that's definitely nuts. And this is where it gets a little more sad because the next guy we're going to talk about is Clayton Kershaw, who's going at 44th overall, or at least that's where he has been going. That is dropping significantly at this point. He's had back issues the past few years, and now he has arm and shoulder issues. He's struggling even to get on the mound and throw a ball right now. He's not going to go in the third round. But, Andrew, this is a point again where a lot of people are asking this question, how how far do I let this guy drop before I start considering him? Man, it's it's a tough question. Um, his ADP, so on here it's 44, and that's since the first of the year. I just did a, a search for since the day they announced the injury. So it was February 21st, and in all NFPC drafts from that day forward – there's been 95 drafts. His ADP is 59 since that day. And his range is he's gone as high as 28 and as low as 136. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a pretty wide range. Um, it's really tough for me, man. This has been my guy forever. I know I've mentioned it before, but I also am understanding of what's going on here. I would probably not take him at 59 where his ADP is at at this exact moment. And, uh, you know, in the last couple of weeks. Yeah, I think he would have to drop a little further than that for me. I don't know the exact number. I would have to put him up against guys. But, yeah, it's just one of those things. It's it's really tough. I, I think that there's still a lot of skill there. But these health issues are really starting to bother me. I mean, they they got to bother you. They they bother everybody. It's rough. It's definitely rough. It's sad because he also, baseball's better when a guy like that's healthy. And you were saying his ADP is 59, and I've seen people, I think that probably is a lot of ADP from the February part. I bet if you looked at it since March 1st, it's significantly worse because I've been seeing people posting on Baseball 365's Facebook page saying things like Kershaw's still out here at 90 or a hundred. Am I crazy for not wanting him? And it's, it's just, it's crazy to think about, but you were saying you'd have to put some names against him, And well, that's something we could do here. Since March 1st, it's 43 drafts and his ADP 61. Gee. Right, right between right behind Tyon and ahead of Strasburg. Yeah, that, I'm not considering him anywhere close to that yet. So let's just pick up where we left off with. Well, here's a, uh, here's a question: Kershaw or Severino? Severino. Yeah, I don't know, man. That's tough for me. Well, if it's tough for you, you may, then I guess we kind of know where you have him ranked. 
Yeah, I think it's about about where I about where I would have said like over Bumgarner, right around there. I think they're close. Yeah. Yeah, and you could argue for Kershaw over Severino. Me it's personally, it's really hard. It's really hard because it's like all fluid. It's like I could wake up tomorrow morning, and one of these guys could have good news, one could have bad news, and it flips immediately. Mm-hmm. It's so every single thing right now is changing, and luckily, you know, there's not. I'm not drafting a team at every moment because I, I would always be changing my mind at these guys. <laughs> it really is. Yeah. It's like. I don't even know where I would take them, to be honest. I, I can't even really answer it. It's it's hard to say because every bit of news that you get, I feel like affects it. But I'm probably on the more on the side with guys like Kershaw and Severino. I'm probably more on the side of just avoiding them than yeah. I am on, oh, he slipped this far, so now I got to take him. Like, yeah, yeah I, I think I'm more on just avoid it. And just take a pitcher that maybe you think is a little bit less of them, but is healthy. It's a dangerous game to play messing with pitchers that are hurt. It's a yeah. dangerous game. Yeah, it is. Definitely. It, it's one thing if it's Francisco Lindor in a hammy, which he's supposed to be back near opening day. This is this is completely different. Yeah. All right. Let's keep this thing moving. Patrick Corbin, we have at 15. He's going at 50 overall. He picked a great time to have a career season starting 33 games last year for the second year in a row with a 3.15 ERA that was actually higher than his 2.61 XFIP. That's how good he was last year. 246 strikeouts and 200 innings. And now he just signed a fantastic seven-year contract, if I recall, with the Washington Nationals, where he's going to be there with Max and Strasburg as a lethal top three in a rotation. Yeah, Corbin had a great year. Really remarkable. Second highest swinging strike rate behind Max. So that's really good. Um, really nothing there that you can quibble with too much. I mean, his the numbers pretty much support what he did. And yet, for some reason, I still just don't feel comfortable taking him here. I, I think it's just because of the crazy jump. I mean, people say, like, Corbin's been performing like this, but he hasn't. He hasn't performed like this ever until last season. It's pretty much out of nowhere to me. I mean, I, I liked Corbin when he was ignored and stuff, you know, and you could get him late. And then he explodes like this, and he's going as an ace, and it was a six-year deal that he signed. And I feel like that contract is going to look terrible in a couple of years. But it's fine now. I mean, he's... A good pitcher. I do like the move to the Nats as opposed to the Diamondbacks. But, yeah, I mean, I'm just whatever on him. I'm I'm not probably taking him here. I pretty much agree. It's kind of like you've been saying you need to see it a second year. I agree. I mean, the guy hadn't had a K per nine up over eight, eight and a half in his career at any stop in the big leagues so far. And now here he has a K per nine of 11. Yeah, somebody was saying, I heard somebody say, like, oh, Corbin's been doing this for years, and this is the year that it finally showed up. And it's like, what are you talking about? It's not, he hasn't been close to what he was last year, ever, ever, until last year. Nothing, not even close. So, like, his his K percentage, his walk percentage, like, 
K minus walk, FIP, XFIP, K rate, all the everything. It did happen last year and good for him, but that was definitely a huge jump from everything he's ever been. So if it continues, it continues. We'll see. It probably won't be on my team, though. Mine either. Now, number 16, he's pitched like an ace the last three years in a row. He just can't ever pitch too many innings. James Paxton going at 56 overall, so we're talking near the end of the fourth round. Once again, pitched like an ace. Once again, dealt with injuries. At least this year, last year, he had a 160 innings, which was a career high. Now he's been traded to the Yankees, and I want to ask you this question, Andrew. Moving from Seattle to the Yankees, is this a positive, a negative, or a neutral in terms of his value? Uh, I think it's mostly neutral. Better team, but more of a hitter's park. I don't know. I, I think it's mostly neutral. I don't, I don't really think too much about it. I'm not sure I'm really in too much on him in his first near, year in New York. There's kind of what I said with Stanton. I don't really love guys in their first year in New York. I think the bright lights get to him a little bit. And, I could see it happening, but but he's fine. I mean, he's been good. It's just a matter of really staying healthy with him. That's been his biggest problem. I don't I think last year was his career high in innings, like 160. So yep. you kind of got to be realistic with the uh, expectations on the innings. But the numbers in general, I mean, they're they're there, and he should be he should be solid. He's been ticking up his uh, swinging strike rate for a few years. And last year was his was his highest so 14.3 percent that's really good so there's positives and negatives to him I, I think he's in about the right spot all right number 17 we got Jamison Tyon going at the end of the fourth round solid production in 32 starts in Pittsburgh I'm starting to wonder if his upside's being capped though again this is another guy who just like Corbin we were just talking about his strikeout rate's been in the mid eights for the last two years there's nothing wrong with that. I'm just not sure I won't feel comfortable paying the fourth round price for this guy. While wins is an awful category, he is in Pittsburgh, which there haven't been too many pitchers that have really racked up wins on that organization. Yeah, I'm not as uh, I'm not as big on Tyon as what it feels like everyone else is. I mean, I feel like of people that I talk to, his ADP is way higher than this like i i feel like uh yeah it's just it's totally bonkers it's just gone way out of whack with him i feel like but he could be fine i mean he's right in his prime and proved to be healthy last year it's just i don't see i see like most of these pitchers i feel like have better k rate and you know they he's projected for a 391 era i mean I don't know. That may be a little high, but yeah, the K rate just doesn't excite me when it's under nine and you're talking about like a top 20 pitcher. I'm probably not that interested. I will admit I am 100% a K whore. I love strikeouts. Like I, I am totally a strikeout fiend and Tyon just doesn't quite get enough for me when you, when you consider where you have to take him. Obviously, he's a good pitcher. I mean, I know that. But 18th pitcher off the board with his K rate, I'm probably passing. I don't love him. Yeah, I had him as a number three or four in a league last year, and I loved having him because 
he exceeded that production. He was really solid for me. But this here feels like you're baking in the the upsides baked in with this price already. And really, I just don't. I think it's really hard to get a net gain out of this price right here. Yeah, he had a high strand rate too. I I swear it. Everybody, everybody that I talk to loves Jamison Tyon. Everybody. Mm-hmm. It, it's crazy to me, actually, when I look at this list, I feel like if I did like a cumulative ADP of just people that I listen to and talk to and stuff like that, I feel like he would be much higher than this. And this is 18. I mean, it's pretty high, you know, so. Yeah, that's a high end number two for most people. Next up, we got number 18 with Steven Strasburg, who's going a full round later. So there's a bit of a gap here in ADP for right here in, in pitchers. Uh, Strasburg at 62 overall. Another year, another solid season when healthy, but also mixed in with injuries. He, all, he was all the way down to 130 innings last year. But strikeout rate still well over 10. Walk rate under 3. ERA was up to 3.7, but he had a 3.2 XFIP where it seemed like he just had a little bit of bad luck there with the ERA department. But this is the fourth consecutive season that he's failed to reach 30 starts. At this point, does it feel like you have to go into the season assuming this guy's only going to be around for 25? Uh, I don't know if you, if you assume that, but I understand, I guess, if, if people want to. I've always been a Strasburg guy. I will say that and I kind of said the same thing about him last year. I feel like we're kind of in the same spot as we were last year with him. Not sure what his ADP was, but I think it was close to this. I don't like him as your ace, but I love him as your number two. And that's kind of where I'm at with him again this year. I, Because I, I, the reason I say that is because there's enough questions with the durability it's almost kind of like Paxton in a way, but I've just always been more of a Strasburg guy than a Paxton guy. But if you wanted to lump Paxton in this conversation, you kind of could. But there's just always been enough questions with the durability with Strasburg that you can't really love him as your ace. And I, I actually got him in uh, redraft last night as my ace, and I, I don't feel great about it. Uh, I backed him up with some pitchers that I like. But, but as your number two, if you have like one of those – good aces that you feel really good about and you have Strasburg to back him up. I love that. And I feel like I'll continue to love that because if for some reason you do happen to hit on that season where he is healthy, it's like you got two aces and it's a reasonable price too. So he is pretty much an ace when he's out there. It's just a matter of how much he's going to be out there. 2017, he had 28 starts in him. He had 15 wins, 10.47 strikeouts per nine, a 2.5 ERA. He was incredible. If you could get that out of him, you're gonna be, you're gonna be thrilled. Hopefully, you get that instead of the 22 starts. I I think he and Paxton are very comparable, but I'd rather have Strasburg because yeah. both of them you're worrying about the innings, but with Paxton he's going into a much tougher ballpark, and I just feel more comfortable with Strasburg actually over him him over Tyon Paxton. Probably even Corbin and Kershaw to where I think I have them all the way up to 13 in my rankings. But I will also say that 
I kind of like you said, I wouldn't want him as my number one as a low end one there as the 13th. I'd feel much more comfortable taking one of those aces before him and then going with a guy like that. Yeah. Yeah. I like it better if you take one before him or if you do take him as your one, maybe backing him up with somebody right after the, you know, right around that area too. But yeah, yeah, I think that some of the uh, some of the injury stuff is kind of baked in, and that's why he's at eighteen. Yeah, I, I think for when he's out there, he's still a stud. Like he's he's an ace when he pitches. It's just that's all it is is just staying out there. I just chuckled hearing you say pairing him up with another pitcher around here, and I'm thinking. Pair him up with James Paxton. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just make sure you have plenty of DL slots. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The innings will be quality, but it might only be like 300. <laughs> Let's get on to number 19. We got Mike Clevenger with the Indians. He's going right there with Strasburg in the top of the fifth round. 2018 was a breakout for Clevenger. 3.02 ERA, 207 strikeouts. It was also the second year in a row that his ex-FIP was really close to a full run higher than his ERA, though. This year, the price is significantly higher than last year. Is this a guy you would feel comfortable buying around here? Uh, I haven't done it. I I kind of see both sides of it on this one. I I do think that um, he's definitely arrived. I mean, he he's he's come a long way, a long way. Like I was, I never really thought I, we would see him get to this level and we have, so I've got to give him credit for that. It's probably not for me, but it is nice seeing that round 200 number, you know, and the K over a K per inning. I mean, that's, it's definitely something to pay attention to. I don't, I don't know if I could do it here quite, but I understand when people do. And I, I do think he's a good number too. I do. You know, Fangraphs really likes him reading the little blurbs on him. They, the quick opinion that they have on his pages, they're still higher for him to climb as he's searching for the perfect mix of stellar secondary pitches with heat. He could easily repeat 200 plus innings with quality ratios and plenty of strikeouts. So they're still saying that he has another level in him from that. That's kind yeah. of, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, he definitely gets the strikeouts. I mean, he averages over a K per inning for his career. So, it's def- that's definitely there. I'm I'm curious to see how he follows that season up with this year because I feel like if he stays the same or improves, I mean, he could shoot up even high, like a good amount mm-hmm. higher. But if he regresses, I do think it's one of those guys that will plummet in rankings next year too. I think he needs to maintain to kind of keep where he's at because if it goes backwards, then it's like it's going to look like the one season that stuck out and was a fluke. You know, it's almost like that was the um, exception to the like to, to everything else, basically. So you're basically saying that you don't see him going at 63 next year, no matter what. I shouldn't no, say no matter really. what, but you don't see it. You think it's unlikely. Not really, yeah. Yeah, I think if he does it again or improves, I think he goes up. And if he falls off, yeah, I think it, it drops way down a good amount. But I don't know which one it'll be. I'm, I'm curious to see because I could see it being either. Me too. All right, let's. right, we're going to finish off with Zach Grinke. He's going at 66. His fastball continues dipping. 
this last year, it actually fell below eight, 90 miles per hour. But he locates his pitches so well that he keeps getting away with it. His three off-speed pitches, it's keeping his K rates at a decent 8.6 per nine. But that is dropping, and it has dropped to the, the, the last few years. Actually, 2016, it was 7.6, and he got it up over nine last year or uh, in 2017. But it did dip again here. He gives up a lot of weak contact with his ability to throw all those off-speed pitches. This almost reminds me of Jared Weaver. I remember Weaver was one who could locate incredibly well, but his fastball just kept dipping and dipping. But Weaver managed to stay relevant for a while until his velocity got too too low into the low 80s. Yeah, he had man, he had some good he had some good years. Jared Weaver. Yeah. I I owned him back then. I don't know. God, that seems like forever ago. But, yeah, I remember when he was like a top 10 pitcher. Yeah. Um, as far as Granky goes, I've never really been too much of a Granky guy, but I do get it. And I, I don't hate this price at all. I He's older, obviously, so but there's there's a lot of track record. The guy knows how to pitch. You know, he's just a pretty reliable guy for the most part. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't really have an issue here. Again, it's it's a guy that I have. God, I don't know if I've owned Zach Granke possibly ever. Have you ever? I'm trying to remember if I have. I'm I'm actually thinking right now if I've ever. I don't know if I've ever had him in a single league, and that's saying a lot because he's really good and and he's 35, and I've been playing fantasy baseball his whole career. <laughs> so, yeah. But, yeah, I don't know if I've actually ever even owned him. Maybe in one league once. I don't know. I'm trying to even think. But he's been real. He's had a really good career. It's no knock on him. I've definitely uh, just missed out on it for the most part. But I think but yeah, I'm with I'm, you. I don't think I've ever owned him. Yeah, it, it's crazy to think about with somebody that huh. has been been around for that long. I just I don't even know if I ever have, but yeah, he's fine. He's fine here. I I don't have an, any uh, any issue with him. He's kind of different because they've got there's some there's some pitchers, you know, a little bit above him and then directly behind him that are younger and you know you feel less certain about what they're gonna do. And I feel fairly confident that I know what Zach Granke's gonna do, but there's always a chance of him dropping off. I guess. You could say that right. about a lot. You could say that about a lot of guys. So the theme here is take Zach Grinky and get the value. Andrew and I are we're not going to do it, but you should. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I probably won't. I mean, I never have. I guess it's just funny to think about. All right, that closes out our pitchers for tonight. You know, for us doing top twenty here, there's still a lot of question marks in this top twenty. Yeah, yeah, there's some. Well. Some of it is just skewed because of the current news on Severino and Kershaw, and it throws all of it off a little bit. But I was going to ask you, how do you uh, how do you feel about drafting these guys like in dynasty leagues and stuff? Like, do you put it? Do you put any premium on them? Do you want them? Do you not care? What? How do you feel about it? Don't want them. <laughs> if it's a startup, di- well, it depends. If it's a startup dynasty, is that what you asked? Yeah, I guess that, that that's a starting point, I guess. Yeah, that because it's two different answers. As a starting point in a startup dynasty, I don't touch pitching. I just unless I decide that I'm drafting to win now, I typically lean to go young. 
and I just ignore pitching. I've learned this from you from talking that pitching seems like it's easier to trade for. Maybe not the elite aces like a Jake DeGrom, Sale, Verlander, somebody like that. But the next tier isn't too hard to find. And I believe that you can build a pitching staff and you you start with bats. In my startup dynasty, I didn't take – I took Otani early for the daily factor. But after that, I didn't take another pitcher for another 10 rounds. I took Jansen just because I felt like he fell too far. And I think it was another 10 rounds before I even touched another pitcher. So I, I personally – I'll value him if I'm contending. And I'll pay the price. In a dynasty a couple months ago, I paid Albies and Mazzara for Chris Sale. And there were other pieces in the deal, but that was basically what it was. But I got to know that my window's closed before I start buying them. Yeah. Yeah, I was just curious. It, they, it's, it scares me to invest a lot into them in a, in a startup draft, too. I have no problem trading for them. None. Like, I know you have to have them. And I'm willing to do it, but... Yeah, in a startup draft, it's it's tough when all those bats are staring at you. I, I just I lean bats too. So, it's just when it when it comes down to it, you've got to with bats, you mostly just have to worry about performance. With arms, you got to worry about performance and health. Yeah. So you got twice as much to worry about with them. Yeah, and Roto Masters three, I took two pitchers in the first twenty three rounds. And one of them was a closer, a <laughs> role Chapman, because I just felt like I would I wouldn't trade him for any of the guys that were left on the board. And it, it was like pick 160 something, maybe. And then the other one was Lance McCullers and he's having TJ. <laughs> but I just I like him a lot. And it was it was kind of late. So I felt. But, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of the same way. And. I won't win that league this year. I'm kind of building for the future, but so, you know, maybe that's, if that's not the way you want to go, then people are probably like, what the hell is he doing? But um, (laughs) just kind of, just kind of the, the way that I like to do it. Yeah. I'm with you. Okay. Well, this closes out our first of the probably at least three pitcher podcasts we're going to have to do for starting pitching alone. Yeah, Ugh. yeah, we got we got a little ways to go, but knocked a few of them out here. So, yeah, and we got our hitters done pretty quickly, so we have some time here. We'll try to get this done here in the next couple of weeks. Actually, we'll probably try getting this done by the end of next week. That way, we can get our predictions in for the final week of the podcast before the season starts. Yep, sounds good. Keep sending those reviews in, guys. Five star reviews. Yes, yes, we would appreciate those. Andrew, do you have any final words before we get out of here? Nope, I do not. I will uh, we'll be back probably in a few days here to do the 21 through 40. All right. I'm going to get out of here and go watch MLB Network because I haven't gotten to do that in two years. <laughs> you, you <laughs> See what's enjoy, on. You enjoy yourself. I think I might do the same thing. So Awesome. All right. Well, then take care, everybody. Have a good one, guys. Take care. Thanks again for listening to the Baseball 365 podcast with Justin Hughes and Andrew McQuiston. Be sure to check the show notes for all the details on today's episode, along with quick links to Facebook and Twitter. If you have a question, a comment, or a suggestion, 
We would love to hear from you. You can find us at the Baseball 365 Facebook group or send an email to us, baseball365pod at gmail.com. And if you like the show, take a moment, rate us on iTunes. Once again, please join the Baseball 365 community on Facebook. That's where baseball lives 365 days a year. Thank you.